This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Indeed, it is a money Monday. Therefore, we get to talking about all your money issues. Here uh, this afternoon, we're going to be dealing with the issue around tax and compliance, taxes and small businesses. I think a lot of times small businesses struggle from a tax perspective and also how to get money back into the business simply because they lack the knowledge around compliance. And this is the kind of conversation that we need to have. I mean, obviously, unless you also have a strong financial background, handling your tax can be one of the most complex aspects of running your own business. And in fact, if not managed correctly, it could cripple your business and crush your dreams of being an entrepreneur. Many small business owners, in fact, and startups think that they are beneath SARS scrutiny. So unfortunately, tax is strange sometimes, and so it's easy to just ignore the whole thing. But to ensure uh, that your small business is actually a success, it is important, though, that you don't end up on the wrong side of SARS. In fact, in South Africa, the importance of small business as a creator of jobs, particularly for those with low skills level, is widely recognized. Small, medium, and micro-enterprises contribute between 30 to 40 percent of the country's gross domestic product and employs about 68.2 percent of the workforce in the private sector. So from this premise, we have the conversation this afternoon from financial analyst and CEO of Sugar Creek Wealth Investment, Gerald Mwanambira. Gerald, always a pleasure having you. Welcome to Power Lunch. Oh, as soon as I say the word tax, I can imagine how many business owners want to hide under the table. Definitely. And a pleasure to talk to you as always, Faith. Good afternoon to all your listeners. Let's talk a little bit about this now. You know, tax compliance and the like. And it's sad for for small businesses because a lot of the the owners are so focused on operations and getting this thing going that that they kind of don't. Once I've got that tax, you know, certificate in the beginning, then that's it. That's it. I remember when you used to have a your CK your CK document, and then you needed a tax clearance certificate. All can be done in one day, and then you're done. And then you almost never visit the issue of tax again. Well, yes. Um, for most small businesses it's an area which because we're all not knowledgeable about taxes we tend to avoid it however taxes shouldn't be as scary or daunting as it sounds it's simply a compliance matter and if you get tax right from the beginning it's normally pretty easy to 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 cope and manage your taxes um SARS have also made it much easier for small businesses in terms of managing their taxes in that when you register a company automatically you get your SARS number and registrations going. So that's taking a lot of the effort out of your tax. In terms of just what we know of and understand about the law when it comes to tax, especially when it comes to small businesses, let's talk a little bit about that. What does the law say? Well, the law simply says that every business should have a tax identity. Remember, a business is treated as a, as a juristic person, which basically means that it's a person and uh, just like you have your own personal tax number, when you start a business, you need to um, register for tax. Now, tax should not be seen as this big bad thing, because if you start to understand tax, you'll also start to understand that there's a lot of rebates and there's a lot of benefits which are available to small businesses um, once you get operating, in ter- which can actually help your cash flows in terms of um, 
managing your tax liability and claiming back things like VAT, etc. But it is important for every small business, I would suggest, mm. to engage the services of a tax practitioner from the outset. Gotcha. And we're going to get into this. And also, when do you claim for VAT? When do you not? How do you work your tax? How do you make sure that you're tax compliant? How do you make sure that you're not on the wrong side of SARS? Can I just add another component to it? How do we make sure that we get you more money out of SARS? I'm always so tired of SARS. You have to give money to SARS. How do we get money from SARS? Hopefully, our guests get to answer that. You see, Nyakolo's even agreeing with me. I'm so tired of us having to give money to SARS. Can we just get money from SARS for a change, huh? How's that? It's half this too. <laughs> Thank you, Thank you. We're going to come back and we're going to get some answers from our guests in just a moment. Right now, those hoppers too. Let's get your latest in power news with Nyakalo Tefu. Power Lunch with Faith Mangobe. Weekdays, 12 to 3 p.m. on Power 98.7. Now we're talking 25 minutes to go before the top of the hour. We're still, we're still talking about taxes and small businesses, how your small business is implicated by tax and tax collection and the like, and how do we make compliance easier for you. If you've got a question for our uh, guests regarding tax, 0861-987-000-833-303-7093. Uh, let's welcome back uh, Gerald Monambira as well as uh, Deboho Silebi, Senior Associate Partner at TMMBS Inc. Deboho, always a pleasure speaking to you. Welcome back. Let's talk a little bit about tax. You know, a lot of times people and small businesses don't know, do I even qualify um, to pay tax? You know, because many people see it as an opportunity, as, as after you reach a certain threshold, obviously, then you have to pay tax. But many of them don't know how it works and when do you apply for that? When don't you? Can you be tax exempt? When are you not tax exempt? And the like. Um, okay, firstly, good afternoon, Faith, um, and good afternoon to the listeners. Thank you for having me once again. Um, so, just to obviously ask, answer that question, I'll answer it in threefold mm. the tax exemption, the VAT, and as well as when should you submit. So, um, what I always say to people, and especially small business owners, do your financials, even if you're running at a loss. So there's a misconception that um, you only need to submit, like you said, once you've made a million, then only you do your financials and then you submit over to SARS. Um, that is not the case. Even if you have a loss, SARS will basically pay you um, 28% of that loss. Whoa, say that again? Yes. So in the same way, if you made a million in random profit and you submit that to SARS, they'd say give us 280,000 rand for your corporate income tax. Mm. If you had a loss of a million, you submit those very same financials, SARS will have a credit balance for you of 280,000 rand. Okay. Yes. So that's the one question in terms of um, when should you submit. I advise submit as soon as you start trading. Try to make sure that every single financial year you do submit your financial statements. And secondly, when it comes to VAT, there's two types of VATs. There's voluntary VAT and mm-hmm. involuntary VAT. So voluntary VAT obviously is if you make more than 50,000 rand. Um, basically, let's say, you know, in an annum and you want to be VAT registered because most of the times people that do work with public sector, they are required um, to, you know, to be VAT vendors, if not even so some... So if you're pra- doing tenders, for example, you want to get into tenders, yes. then you must have VAT. So it depends on obviously what department, but most of the times it's those guys are very... They want you to be, you know, VAT registered because gotcha. they want to also be able to claim and so forth. Um, and then the second one is the involuntary one. So the involuntary one basically says that if you made a million in turnover for the year, you have to register for VAT going forward. Okay, so a million plus. A million plus, you have to register for VAT. But if you haven't made a million in a year, it's up to you if you want to register or not. Because like I'm saying to you, some people, um, some suppliers, like I know with big corporates, they'll always ask if you're VAT registered. If not, they'll probably use a VAT um, registered supplier because they also want to claim, you know, part of the VAT. So if you're not VAT registered, it can be at a disadvantage for you when you do projects with either, like I said, private um, or, 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 you know, public sector. 
in terms of getting the financial statements right, because I sometimes think that that's where a lot of us will either go to, I mean, and I use myself as a typical, you know, person in this. Um, I have an organization that's been running, that's been running for a while. But I tell you one thing, as I said before, the numbers sometimes freak you out. I like yeah. I like money. I don't like numbers sometimes, right? Yes. So you get an accountant to be able to do your, you know, draft your financial statements, draft your financials and the like. But I also feel like there's a sense of empowerment when you know the contents that should be going into a right, compliant financial statement. Mm. It just, knowledge becomes power in, in, in that instance. Yeah. So, and a lot of startups don't have the luxury of hiring an accountant, you know, or, and having an accountant on a retainer or an yes. accounting firm on retainer so that they can draft the financial statement. So a lot of them have to do these things by themselves. And if you've never done accounting in school, mm. it becomes even much more tedious and even intimidating. Just talk to us a little bit about what would be in a financial statement. So when you hand over those financials to SARS, that is not okay, but is adequate. Let's use the word adequate. That is adequate for them to be able to go, oh, okay, this person knows what they're doing. They're a startup, but they know yeah. what they're doing. I mean, so so obviously I can't, I can't speak in terms of SARS because what, what, what I've seen in the past, like you said, so people do try to do their own set of financial statements. They yeah. get to SARS, they try to submit. SARS takes them back, says, no, go speak to a tax practitioner. Exactly. Um, and, and I understand obviously there's a, there's a, there's a conversation of affordability or um, they can't afford a retainer. But what I always try to say is that in business, um, that's one aspect that you cannot neglect, that and law. So depending on whatever industry that you're in, accounting and law or probably accounting and legal will be the most important uh, business aspects that you always need to make sure that you have, you make plans and arrangements more. So, I mean, we, we, we have a retainer system, but also if you come to us as a one-stop, we can still also assist you and also, you know, allow you to, to pay us as a, as a payment arrangement plan. So I think even other tax practitioners are out there who says, no, 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 it's fine. Let me do these financials for you so that you don't have to. Because the thing is, unfortunately, you're going to get to SARS. SARS is going to take you back. Go home. Go find a tax practitioner or someone who can assist you who's basically licensed or registered with SARS. So that's the first hurdle. Um, and then the second one is, obviously, if you want to submit on your own, mm. the only thing that you can do is bank statements. But the issue with bank statements is that it's how, how bank statements are. I mean, you know it's a debit and a credit, so it's in, out. Mm. And that sometimes can be challenging because sometimes... Um, things that are coming out would be classified as assets, which would essentially go in your statement of financial position on your, you know, on your financial statements. But with, with sales, when they get those bank statements, they wouldn't know what to classify what under what, because also those are things that you'd have to maybe discuss with your accountant. So, no, when I made this purchase, I bought a laptop. When I made this purchase, it was um, for petrol. Or when I made this purchase, it was for, you know. So, so the classification under assets, under inventory, under... All of those. Uh, you know, what is it? Oh, my gosh, it goes back to accounting classes. Yeah, I should have <laughs> listened. But like your normal, your assets, your fixed yes. assets, your current assets, your 100%. inventory, your your liabilities. Well, would your that equity be your so equity? Yes. Is that what would go under? So that's the statement of financial um, position. But now remember that the, the biggest statement that SARS looks at is the statement of comprehensive income, which basically summarizes your revenue mm-hmm. and your operating expenses and some of the interest that you had to pay during the year. And therefore you have your profit or your loss. And then they take 28% of that profit or that loss. Zero eight six one nine eight seven triple zero. Uh Emmanuel in Pretoria, let me start off with you. Hi, how are you, Faith? I'm very well, thanks and you, sir. Go ahead. Good, good. Uh, I've got a question mm. and the other is a, it's a comment. Let me start with a comment. What I find it very interesting with, with SARS when coming to small businesses, uh, obviously you are vet registered, you are expected to submit every two months, which I don't have a problem with that as part of compliance. But then now, when it comes whereby you have to pay uh, SARS, they need it 
almost immediately within 24 hours you must make the payment it's fine when it comes whereby you must get the rebate they must pay you back mm. they say no wait let's look into it it takes two months uh, to three months they're not paying you that's the first uh concern that i have mm. on the other issue is whereby you service you're doing business with the government you do a service let's say of three million rand. Mm. you invoice that you must pay tax on that which is fair but then the government takes two years to pay you so you take your own money that you don't have to pay us the same government and then while the same government is owing you so how will this small business survive that is a brilliant question, Emmanuel. Gerald, let me throw it to you. you you've been, <laughs> you're very honest when it comes to these financial institutions. Sam. Yes, um, look, it's an interesting one in that that's how it is. SARS take their time when they're paying you and sometimes they'll ask you to produce evidence and um, all sorts of documentation to support your VAT claim. Or And uh, they do take up to 20 business working days to, to resolve your your claim on that. Whereas when you've done your return and you have to pay them, they pretty much um, allow you to pay directly from your bank account. The thing, I, the thing we want to get out of this conversation this afternoon is that if you keep your taxes up to date and you actually start not fearing your taxes, as, as my colleague was saying, SARS can actually be to your benefit. As he said, if, you, if you're someone who regularly posts your um, financials and for several years you've made profits and you've been paying your taxes and a year you actually submit and you have a loss they will pay you for your loss that that is a reward also for you being that person who has been tax compliant in all those years so i think as a small business be tax compliant from the very outset and most most importantly engage the services of a tax practitioner um even amongst tax practitioners the tax changes all the time mm. but i have found that when i have used an accountant and allowed a tax practitioner to assist me i've gotten more value out of it and i am a tax practitioner myself but i don't do my own taxes for that very reason that if you use someone else they have an objective eye and if you're paying them a fee they normally will help you what you need to be um, look out for though however is is these so-called scams that go on where small businesses are being called and told to submit give someone your e-filing logins and they're going to get you money back mm. please don't take up those scams because those scams um, if you do um, defraud SARS or are found guilty of attempting to, to defraud SARS it is a criminal offense and will actually affect you negatively yeah, and 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 you're absolutely right with that one. Um, in terms of even falling for the scams and and the like, but t- tax in itself is it's intimidating for a lot of people. And just again, um, just from the premise table, that, that money is going out instead of money coming in. Yeah. And we're trying to find ways of at least helping businesses. And I know one way would be submit even the loss so that you know SARS can give you money for the loss. Yes. Are there any other ways that we can perhaps take advantage of a system that is designed to take money out? Like, what else can we do and arm ourselves with as an arsenal to say, okay, if I do this, then this this SARS that I fear can yeah. actually work in my favor? Um, I mean, so like, listen, like, um, I, I think the the biggest thing, right? There's two there's two things. Mm. One, understanding that SARS is a revenue collection system, and then two, 
I think the biggest issue that South Africans have with um, paying over so much taxes, whether it's business, personal, whatever the likes, is I, I think because, as we've seen, the funds that are collected from us are then misallocated or misused, right? So with other countries, tax is not an issue. They they actually don't mind paying their taxes because they see where the money is going. There's pub, you know, public health and the roads are working. Everything is fine. So I, I think when it comes to the systems you guys can utilize or we can utilize in terms of benefiting from tax, remember there's things like ETI. So ETI is an employment tax incentive, meaning if you employ people that are between the ages of 19 and well 18 and 29, you basically claim on their pays you earn. Oh. So that's another thing. You get a rebate for actually employing people between the ages of 18 to 29. Can I make them interns? It doesn't matter as long as what you're paying them is within the um, um, the minimum wage range. Okay. And also there's like, I think it's zero to one triple nine, one triple nine to like 4,000 and then 4,000 to 6.5. As long as they're within those um, ranges, you can claim some money back for employing those people and having them be in your employ, mm. right? So that's one of the things that once again, people aren't aware of. And like I said to you, the second thing is even with VAT. Remember that VAT is not, is not to say it's only what's being paid over. VAT is saying what I charge to provide a service is called VAT output. And then whatever I pay, whether it's my suppliers or whatever that I might need to basically pay for, that's VAT input. And then the balance is either payable to SARS or SARS needs to then um, pay you back the difference. So even things like that where when you also buy as a VAT vendor, mm-hmm. try to buy from people that are VAT registered. Try to utilize services of people that are VAT registered. Like I'll give you a typical example where if you're going to host an event and you're an event planner, chances are that that event planner won't probably find people that don't either have companies or are not vet registered. So what what they end up doing is going to charge or I mean going to pay a hefty fee to have someone do a, like a booking for 50K whereas they can find two guys for 25. But they know that from the 50K, I'm claiming vet on that. From the other guys, 25, I'm not claiming anything. So that's where now it becomes that you are always paying money to SARS. Instead of you claiming Instead of you claiming because now remember what you charge and then what you've paid in terms of claiming, the difference is what you need to then pay over. I've got another question from Gordon in Pretoria. Hello, Gordon. What's going on with the project that you're doing? Hi, Seth. How are you? Good on you, sir. Go ahead. I'm fine. My question is one question. I've got a session that I've did with few municipality. The thing is, each and every month I'll submit my invoice for 200K Mm. and they'll end up paying me 50K. At the end of the day, the, the, the tax, I'm end up paying a lot of money. What can I do with the session, uh, like my problem? Uh, because the municipality owe me a lot of money now. Each and every month, you... I put an invoice that don't, they don't pay me the whole invoice. Wait, so you put an invoice for 200K, they pay you back how much? Around 50K, the municipality oh, doesn't wow. have money. They are waiting for the new project. They are waiting for the new budget, I mean. Yeah. So, so I mean, my, my, my advice to you, um, once again, try to find a tax practitioner who then can also go to SARS and apply for you to pay VAT on a payment basis instead of an invoice basis. Because that's also what kills a lot of business. Like you're saying that you invoiced 200,000 Rand and obviously the 15% of the 200,000 is what's going to be expected from you based on the invoice. But if you submit based on the payments that you receive and payments that you make within that period, then that's the VAT that you want to have to end up paying. Oh, it's because we're not even saying the words I want to submit as I have the... As payment basis, what we do is just we assume it's invoice basis. Because there are people where you have 2 million rand worth of invoices that you've sent out. Yeah. You know, and and that's the vet cycle it's done, but you haven't received even a rand. One, yeah. So obviously, if you don't have that money to pay, 
you you're not allowed to or you can't take from your own money mm-hmm. to pay off mm-hmm. those invoices. So what you do, you go to staff and say, no, listen, let me apply so I can pay on a um, payments basis instead of an invoice basis. I'm applying to pay on a payments basis, on a not payments, an invoice basis. Not an invoice basis. I think I'm going to go to visit SARS after this <laughs> just because I know more. <laughs> Daniel in Mami Lodi, hi. Hi, ma'am. How are you? Good and you, sir. Go ahead. Good. Uh, ma'am, I just want to ask the gentleman about capital gain tax. With regard to when you when you rent a property and then uh, you get an income from and at the same time you are employed, and also the donation donation tax, the threshold about donation tax. Thank you. So capital gains tax, uh, when you are renting out a property and you already have a job, and also the donation, hey. And then um, and a donation tax. Got you, sir. Uh, Gerald, let me start off with you. I um, mean, my understanding for renting a property. You shouldn't really have any CGT liability. Capital gains tax is a tax which is applied on the gains on a on on a on an asset when you dispose of it. So, for example, if you bought your house at one million rand and you end up selling it for two million rand, okay, um, your capital gain is a million rand, and you'd be liable to pay, um, I think it's twenty five percent on that gain. Um, I'll ask my colleague to, to correct because I don't mm-hmm. do that much tax every day, but that's capital gains from my understanding. On a rental property, you're simply someone who is renting the property and actually the owner of the property can claim back various other amounts for maintaining that property, etc., by you being a tenant. But from a rental, I don't think um, you can have any CGT issues, but I stand to be corrected. Yeah, um, so yeah, just to answer the gentleman who called in. So when it comes to like capital gains, like um, thing you said just now, um, obviously it's when you dispose the property. So just to give a bit of an example, so you have a property. Once again, you bought it for a million rand. Um, you sold it for two point five, meaning that you made profit of one point five, right? And because it's not um, a personal residency, you don't have to claim like nothing is excluded. So basically, that whole entire one point five mm-hmm. will be included mm-hmm. in your te- in your CGT calculation. And then what happens is that if it's owned by an individual, forty percent of that profit is what you pay over as as, as CGT. If it's um, owned by a company or a trust, it's eighty percent. But like I said, remember, so it's not the entire forty percent. So you say one point five, forty percent, then forty percent of the one point five based on your marginal tax rate. So if you are earning 100,000 rand a month, you would probably be in the 36% um, tax rate, tax bracket. So therefore you'd say 40% of the 1.5 profit times 36%. And mm. that is what you pay over to SARS for mm. CGT. Times 36%? Yes. Yep. But Wait, th- hold on, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> remember, <laughs> it's not bad. So listen. Uh, so remember, in this case, you made the profit 1.5. Yeah. Because it's owned by an individual and not a company or a trust, that 1.5, 40% of it is basically what's included in the tax calculation. So it's not the entire f- uh, 1.5, 40% mm. of the 1.5. Mm. And then mm. that amount, let's say, I mean, I, I don't want to say the wrong number, but let's say 40% of 1.5, you're looking at about maybe 300,000. Mm. That 300,000, then you say times where you fall under in terms of your tax bracket. Yeah, man, it still sounds like a lot of money. How do people not like? So does that yeah. mean that you have to make like you have to have like you must start claiming back from like medical aid and 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 and, and just to save you? Money? I mean, but so obviously, if it's if it's a property, uh, when it comes to you know CGT, it's only basically proceeds. If your proceeds are more than the base cost, so base cost is only like home improvements. Um, if you've done any renovations, 
if if you mm. bought it as one million and you've you've had it for five years mm. as is and you sell it and you don't have any other improvements, alterations, mm. or anything of that sort, mm. then obviously, unfortunately, you won't have things to claim from. Tseho in Moinoi. Hi, Tseho. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, you, Mama. Go ahead. I'm good. Um, I'm currently running like a private school, and we are almost making over like a one million over, ten over. Mm-hmm. Per annum, so, hey? Or per month? Pardon? Is it per annum or per month? Per annum. Okay, got you. So I wanted to ask because I've been this is our second year running. We did our financial last year and we did, we did see that we're actually making over a million. So I wanted to ask when it comes to start, how, how do I go about it? Because I'm actually quite worried. I was just listening. I'm like, yo, I don't want to be into travel because it's a school. The lesson they are closing our school and all of this. So I wanted mm-hmm. to ask, like, how do I go about it if you're running a school? And it's a private school, hey? Yeah, I would think it's a profit. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, there's, there's two questions. Um, I was I was about to ask that to say is it registered as a PTYLTD? Oh, she's just disappeared right now. Uh, so let's give us give us two sides. So let's say that it's a it's a private company, right? Yeah. If it's a private school. Or, yeah. So yeah. so what happens that I know that a lot of schools are registered as um, PTY, the ones that are listed, okay. and there's some schools that are registered as um, NPCs. So yes. obviously, I'll start at the NPC because that's easier. So if you're a non-profit organization, I think we spoke about this last week a bit, you would register for what we call to be a public benefit organization, mm. which means that you'd apply for tax exemption, meaning you wouldn't be expected to then register for VAD. You wouldn't have to pay over any income um, tax because you're not running that business to make a profit, mm. right? That's the NPC. If it's registered as NPC, get a tax exemption, register as a PBO. That's one. And then two, if it is registered as a PTY, it works the same as any other company. Since she's made a million, she has to register for that. And then she still needs to also submit um, the, the financials as per what's required from SAS every single year. And, and and in education, because it's an education space, you don't get, they just treat it as what? As a private company, so you don't get anything. That, that, hence, I'm saying, obviously, if it registered with like your Department of Social Development and those kind of things, then it, it needs to be an NPC. And if it's not an NPC, if, if it's, it's not pure an NPC, for I mean, many of the private schools are for profit anyways, right? Yes. It's, not, it's, not a, it's not a social thing. It's, a, it's yeah. for profit. Profit. If it's registered for profit, then you have to go through. So to, to, like to Saros, it's like mm. a Kiro, it's like a Fusion Nation school, it's like a Spark school. To them, it's, there's no difference. Okay. You're just like a Kiro, and maybe not listed, at just at a lower scale. So you have to register for that. You have to you have to treat it as a as a PTY LTD. Like I said to you, if it's an NPC, that's a different conversation altogether. But if it's a PTY, you have to treat it like you would treat any other private owned company got you and and gerald you know as i said it's good to have these ongoing conversations regarding tax because a lot of us i think struggle from the compliance perspective and and mm. struggle with you know mm. what do we do to make sure that we're abreast with with tax because and then i don't know whether it's just the biased person in me i sometimes feel like sars goes after the small guys the small fish because mm. those are easy to catch the big guys are the ones that are able to take their monies into these foreign accounts or into these what are they called tax havens so yeah. as it were well, I, I don't necessarily think so. I think, Faith, the reason why it seems like SARS um, goes after the small guys is that the big guys do some sort of tax compliance. So SARS don't put you on the radar. If you're someone they know about and you're mm-hmm. submitting documentation, uh, maybe if they do a tax audit, they'll catch you out, but they know you, you're, you're, you're com- inverted commerce. What tends to happen with the small guys is that you're running a small business and you've been running for a while. And you have never actually submitted any returns. And remember, SARS under the Tax Administration Act can get a view of what's going on in your life through your bank account. Mm. 
because mm. your bank account is also linked to SARS through a tax number. So suddenly you have a scenario where this small business, which is not either submitting returns or declaring losses, has huge turnover, which, um, which is more than the minimum threshold. And that's how you simply attract SARS. And then SARS simply say, there's an anomaly here. Mm. Your bank account has got money going through it. Your, so your tax declaration says you're a dormant company, for example. Mm. going on. Yeah. And then the, every small company will cry foul. And mm. it's really a matter of saying, be compliant. Um, yes, it is. for a small company, you might end up paying two, 3,000 rand a month to have a bookkeeper or someone to keep an eye on your, on your taxes. But it's definitely worth it because the upside for a small company definitely exceeds the downside in terms of the rebates you have access to. For example, during COVID, there was a COVID rebate, um, the rebates for employing young people. Um, and you simply need to be that, that organization which is going to be you know, diligent in terms of your bookkeeping. Because yeah. if you are diligent, you can claim back a lot of expenses back from SARS just um, by virtue of being a small business. And your day-to-day expenses, for example, you can claim back um, business expenses. Your capital expenses, when you buy a machine, when you buy, when you rate your business, you can claim that money back. Your education expenses, you, you are, you're basically um, skilling your staff. You can claim it back. Even entertainment, your marketing, you know, uh, your business startup or even your net operating call, your all losses can be claimed back. However, the, the, the trick to get that done is document it mm. and have the, the tax is your friend. I would simply say, let's as small business owners stop having this negative attitude mm. towards SARS um, and tax compliance because actually tax compliance works far in favor for small businesses than big businesses. Big businesses still get... <laughs> which decide I'm going to be compliant from day one. Gerald, I'm losing you here. I think it's a signal, but I have to leave it here anyways. Mm. But I think it's a beautiful way to be able to just build, and I love what you said, that maybe we even need to change the narrative. I'm certainly going to do that. Tax is my friend. (laughs) Tax, that's going to be the word I'm going to repeat, the phrase I'm repeating. Do everybody hear it? Tax (laughs) is my friend. And I don't have to be afraid of taxes. I just have to know that they, it's all my friend. Guys, I always thank you. Much appreciated for your time as always. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.